Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dad, I'm broke. Hey, broke. I'm Dad. Dad. Okay, don't you have cash saved up from babysitting? No, I spent it. I want my own bank account from S&T Bank. They offer free ATMs, Zelle, and an annual scholarship. Plus, when I open a Smart Start checking account, I get $100. See? I'm responsible. Hey, responsible. I'm Dad. Visit stbank.com slash smartstart for details. Bonus available July 1st through September 30th, 2022. Opening deposit balance of $50 required. Member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. I am your host, Larry Least. Welcome to an all-new season where we dive into the most infamous assassinations in history. JFK and the poisoning of a Russian spy. Join us every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube. Just search True Crime Never Sleeps. But before we get into our main topic, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, for sponsoring this episode. Check them out today at pondex.com. Use the promo code Larry21 for 10% off your first purchase. Today we're diving into the infamous Kennedy assassination. Since this is a massive topic to cover, we're splitting it into two parts. Next week, we'll have part two. But let's dive into the Kennedy assassination. In this, uh, in this podcast, we talk a lot about crimes and their motives. Serial killers, mysterious disappearance, disappearances, um, unsolved kidnappings. But today is the day we're going to see that no one. Not a single person is safe in this world. Today we'll talk about one of the most famous assassinations in history. Like I said, this is the first of two episodes featuring the famous JFK assassination. Stay with me during these two episodes as I uncover the details and history behind them. Kennedy traveled to Texas to smooth over frictions in the Democratic Party between liberals Ralph uh, apologies, can't say his name, Yarbrough, Don Yarbrough, 
and conservative Texas Governor John Connolly. The visit was first agreed upon by President Kennedy, Texas Native Vice President LBJ, and Connolly during a meeting in El Paso in June. Kennedy had three main goals for this trip. Help raise more Democratic Party presidential campaign contributions, begin his quest for re-election in November 1964, and help make political amends among several leading Texas Democratic Party members who appeared to be fighting amongst themselves. The trip was announced in September 1963. The motorcade route was finalized on November 18th and announced soon after. Huh, that ain't happening anymore. Kennedy's itinerary called for him to arrive at Dallas Low Field via a short flight from Carswell Air Force Base in Fort Worth. The motorcade were out through Dallas, Kennedy, Connolly, and their wives together in a single limo, and Johnson and his wife two cars behind. It was intended to give Kennedy maximum exposure to local crowds before his arrival for a luncheon at Dallas Market Center, where he would meet with civic and business leaders. Kenneth O'Donnell, Kennedy's friend and Appointment Secretary had selected the trademark, part one of the buildings at the Dallas Market Center, as the destination for the motorcade and location of the luncheon. <clears throat> Leaving from Dallas Love Field, the motorcade had been allotted 45 minutes to reach the trademark at a planned arrival time of 12.15 p.m. The itinerary was designed to serve as a meandering 10-mile route between the two places, and the motorcade vehicles can be driven slowly within the allotted time. Special Agent Winston G. Lawson, a member of the White House detail who acted as the advanced Secret Service agent, and Secret Service Agent Forrest V. Sorrell, special agent in charge of the Dallas office, was the most active in planning the actual motorcade route. On November 14th, both men attended a meeting at Love Field and drove over the route that Sorrell's believed was best suited for the motorcade. From Love Field, the route passed through a suburban section of Dallas to downtown along Main Street, a right turn on North Houston Street for one block, a left turn on Elm, passing through Dealey Plaza, and down a short segment of the Stemmons Freeway to the Trademark. Kennedy had planned to return to Love Field to leave for a fundraising dinner in Austin later that day. For the return trip, the agents selected a more direct route that was about four miles. Some of this route would be used after the assassination. The planned route to the trademark was widely reported in Dallas newspapers several days before the event for the benefit of people who wished to view the motorcade. To pass through downtown Dallas, a route west along Main Street rather than Elm Street was chosen. Since this was the traditional parade route, it provided the maximal building and crowd views. The Main Street section of the route prevented a direct turn onto the Fort Worth Turnpike which was the route to the trademark, as this exit was only accessible from Elm Street. Therefore, the planned motorcade route included a short one-block turn at the end of the downtown segment of Main Street on Houston Street for one block northward, before turning again west on Elm Street. That way, they could proceed through Dealey Plaza before exiting Elm onto the Stemmons Freeway. The Texas School Depository was and still is situated at the northwest corner of the Houston and Elm Streets intersection, which luckily I've been able to actually um, visit on occasion. The 
Dallas Motorcade used three vehicles for Secret Service and police protection. First car was an unmarked white Ford hardtop carrying Dallas Police Chief Jesse Curry, Secret Service Agent Wynn Lawson, Sheriff Bill Decker, and Dallas Field Agent Forrest Sorrells. Second car, 1961 Lincoln Continental Convertible, occupied by Driver Agent Bill Greer, SAIC Roy Kellerman, Governor John Connolly, Nellie Connolly, President Kennedy, and Jackie Kennedy. The third car, a 1955 Cadillac convertible, codenamed Halfback, contained driver, driver agent Sam Kinney, Emery Roberts, presidential aides Ken O'Donnell and Dave Powers, driver agent George Hickey, and PRS agent Glenn Bennett, Secret Service agents Clint Hill, Jack Reedy, Tim uh, McIntyre, and Paul Landis rode on the running boards. On November 22nd, after a breakfast speech in Fort Worth, where Kennedy had stayed overnight after arriving from San Antonio, Houston, Washington, D.C. the previous day, Kennedy boarded Air Force One, which departed at 11.10 and arrived at Love Field 15 minutes later. At about 11.40, Kennedy's motorcade left Love Field for the trip through Dallas, running on a schedule about 10 minutes longer than the planned 45 Due to the enthusiastic crowds estimated at 150,000 to 200,000 people and two unplanned stops directed by Kennedy. And now we're diving into the shooting. Kennedy's open top 1961 Lincoln Continental four door convertible limo entered Dealey Plaza at 1230. Nellie Connolly, First Lady of Texas, turned to Kennedy, who was sitting behind her, and commented, Mr. President, you can't say Dallas doesn't love you. Kennedy's reply, no, you certainly can't, were his last words. From Houston Street, the limo made the planned left turn on an elm to provide access to the Stemmons Freeway exit. As it turned, it passed by the Texas School Book Depository, and as it continued down Elm Street, shots were fired. About 80% of the witnesses recalled hearing three shots. Dad, I'm broke. Hey, broke. I'm Dad. Dad. Okay, don't you have cash saved up from babysitting? No, I spent it. I want my own bank account from S&T Bank. They offer free ATMs, Zelle, and an annual scholarship. Plus, when I open a Smart Start checking account, I get $100. See? I'm responsible. Hey, responsible. I'm Dad. Visit stbank.com slash smartstart for details. Bonus available July 1st through September 30th, 2022. Opening deposit balance of $50 required. Member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Caracano rifle and three shell casings were found near an open window on the book depository's sixth floor. Shortly after Kennedy began waving, a few witnesses recognized the first gunshot for what it was. There was a little reaction from most of the crowd or those riding the motorcade. Many later said they imagined what they heard to be firecracker or a vehicle backfiring. 
the Warren Commission, based on the Zapruder film, found that the limo had traveled an average speed of 11.2 miles per hour over the 186 feet of Elm Street immediately preceding the fatal headshot. Texas School Book Depository employee Bonnie Ray Williams testified that he recognized Oswald as someone whom he saw on the sixth floor twice before the assassination took place. Within one second of each other, Governor Connolly and Mrs. Kennedy turned abruptly from looking to their left to looking to their right, beginning at Zapruder Film Frame 162. Connolly, like Kennedy, was a World War II military veteran and was a longtime hunter. He testified that he immediately recognized the sound as that of a high-powered rifle. He turned his head and torso rightward to see Kennedy behind him. He testified he could not see Kennedy, so then he started to turn forward again. And that was when his head was facing about 20 degrees left of center. He was hit in his upper right back by a bullet that he did not hear fired. The doctor who operated on Connolly estimated that his head at the time he was hit had been 27 degrees left of center. After Connolly was hit, he shouted, Oh no, 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 my God, they're going to kill us all. Mrs. Connolly testified that just after hearing a loud, frightening noise that came from somewhere behind her, and to her right, she turned toward Kennedy and saw him raise up his arms and elbows, with his hands in front of his face and throat. She then heard another shot and then Governor Connolly yelling. Mrs. Connolly then turned away from Kennedy toward her husband, at which a point another gunshot sounded, and both she and the limo's rear interior were covered with fragments of skull, blood, and brain. According to the Warren Commission and the House Select Committee on Assassinations, Kennedy was waving to the crowds on his right, with his right arm un unraised on the side of the limo when a shot entered his upper back, penetrated his neck, slightly damaged his spinal vertebrae, and the top of his right lung. The bullet exited his throat, nearly center line just beneath his larynx, and nicked the left side of his suit tie knot. He raised his elbows and clenched his fists in front of his face and neck, then leaned forward and left. Mrs. Kennedy, facing him, then put her arms around him in concern. According to the Warning Commission's single bullet theory, Governor Connolly also reacted after the same bullet penetrated his back just below his right armpit. The bullet created an oval-shaped entry wound, impacted and destroyed four inches of his right fifth rib, and exited his chest just below his right nipple. This created a two-and-a-half-inch oval-shaped, air-sucking chest wound. That same bullet that entered his arm just above his right wrist and cleanly shattered the right radius bone into eight pieces. The bullet exited just below the wrist at the in inner side of this right palm and finally lodged in his left inner thigh. The Warren Commission theorized that the single bullet struck somewhere between the Bruder frame 210 and 225. While the house while the house <coughs> while the house select committee theorized that it struck at approximately Zapruder frame 190. Secret Service Special Agent Clint Hill was riding on the left front running board to follow a car 
which was immediately behind Kennedy's limo. Hill testified that he heard one shot, then as documented in other films and concurrent with Zapruder frame 308, he jumped off into Elm Street and ran forward to board the trunk of the limo and protect Kennedy. Hill testified to the Warren Commission that he heard the fatal shot as he was reaching the limo. Approximately five seconds after the first shot that he heard. After Kennedy was shot in the head, Mrs. Kennedy began climbing out onto the back of the limo. Though she later had no recollection of doing so, Hill believed that she was reaching for something. Perhaps a piece of Kennedy's skull. He jumped onto the back of the limo while at the same time Mrs. Kennedy returned to her seat. He clung to the car as it exited Dealey Plaza and accelerated, speeding to Parkland Hospital. After Mrs. Kennedy crawled back into her limo, both Governor and Mrs. Connolly heard her repeatedly say, They killed my husband. I have his brains in my hand. Mrs. Kennedy recalled, All the ride to the hospital, I kept bending over him saying, Jack, 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 can you hear me? I love you, Jack. I kept holding the top of his head down, trying to keep the brains in. Governor Connolly was seated directly in front of Kennedy and three inches more to the left than Kennedy. He was also seriously injured, but survived. Doctors later stated that after the governor was shot, his wife pulled him onto her lap. And the resulting posture helped close his front chest wound, which was causing air to be sucked directly into his chest around his collapsing right lung. Bystander James Tigg received a minor wound to the right cheek while standing 531 feet away from the depository's 6th floor easternmost window, 270 feet in front of and slightly to the right of Kennedy's head, facing direction and more than 16 feet below the top of Kennedy's head. His injury occurred when a bullet or bullet fragment with no copper casing struck the nearby Main Street South Curb. Deputy Sheriff noticed some blood on Tegg's cheek and Tegg realized that something had stung his face during the shooting. When Tegg pointed to where he had been standing, the police officer noticed a bullet smear on a nearby curb. Nine months later, the FBI removed the curb and a spectrographic analysis revealed metallic residue consistent with that of the lead core in Oswald's ammunition. Tegg testified before the Warren Commission and initially stated that he was wounded on his cheek by either the second or third shot of the three shots that he remembered hearing. When the Commission counsel pressed him to be more specific, he testified that he was wounded by the second shot. We know how JFK was assassinated, but catch us next, next week to hear the details about the aftermath of his assassination. And that is a wrap for this episode. Now on to our favorite segment, the Pondex segment of true crime. Today's question is, so the question was, was it right to jail Charles Manson for life, even though he never killed anyone? I believe it was, because you gotta look and see, would this woman have killed all those people if they weren't under the control of Charles Manson. I don't think they would have. So yeah, he deserved to be in prison for life. But I want to hear your answer in the comment section below. Let us know your thoughts. Do you think he should have gone to jail for life? And also, what did you think about the assassination of JFK? What questions do you have about the assassination that are still not answered? Let us know. 
as always, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up if you like the video. And we'll catch you next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.